0: Well, good morning, St Mark's Church. And uh, this is weird, isn't it? Being on camera and much rather be with everybody in person, but um, it's been a strange little adjustment to make to be speaking here like this and watching over a screen. And to be honest, it's one that I found really hard and a very, very weird experience. Standing up in front of people and saying a few words is one thing, but having to sort of speak into a camera is completely bizarre, and I'm not, I didn't find it very easy. Um, last week when we made a little two, three minute video, I reckon it took me the best part of an hour to, um, to get it right, kept messing up my words. Um, but here we are, trying to get this in one take. Um, but that's one little adjustment that we've been making, but um, over the last week or so, of course, we've all had to make massive adjustments. And uh, most of us are now at home for most of the day um, with the exception of our daily allotted uh, moment of exercise that we're allowed outside in the uh, in the exercise yard or on the common Um, but although I'm sure we're all trying to make the best of it I think it's okay to admit that actually it's been pretty overwhelming Uh, I've spoken to families whose kids are kind of crawling up the walls of two parents trying to work from home whilst the kids are there and not being able to go outside and some people are thinking about kind of changing their jobs or quitting their jobs. So at least one parent is able to look after the family. Um, some people have managed to escape London. Well done to you if you were able to watch this uh, from the relative uh, comfort of the countryside. Um, but for other people, actually, it's kind of impossible for, to do your job remotely. And so uh, people have been kind of stuck at home or going on fur- being put on furlough and are kind of going a bit crazy with um, uh, nothing really to do. Um, And so we're all probably feeling a bit overwhelmed. We're all feeling a bit overwhelmed with uh, how to stay physically and mentally um, healthy whilst we're sitting down and looking at a screen all day. Um, Some of us are feeling overwhelmed financially and wondering whether Rishi Sunak's magic money tree is going to deliver us. But most seriously of all, we're probably feeling overwhelmed by this coronavirus itself, um, which is a matter of life and death. And they're now reporting in the news that um, otherwise young, fit and healthy people with no underlying health conditions have been dying of this disease. The Prime Minister's just been um, uh, diagnosed as well as the uh, Health Secretary with coronavirus. So despite the um, you know, the steady trickle of amusing WhatsApp videos that are doing the rounds to kind of lighten the mood, actually, I think it's okay to admit that probably most of us are feeling pretty overwhelmed. Well, um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been going through this first letter of John. I'd love you to grab your Bibles if you've, um, if you've put them down, and maybe grab a paper Bible. We've been looking at a screen all day, every day, and uh, so maybe put your iPhone away if you've, if you've looked up the passage on your phone, and grab a Bible, a good paper copy of the Scriptures, and we're looking at the first letter of John. And I don't know about you, but I've just found it hugely relevant and encouraging for us as we've been working our way through this series. The first three weeks uh, we looked at chapters one to three in church, in the flesh, and it seems like a lifetime ago that we were all able to meet together. Um, and the second uh, two, well these last two weeks, chapter four last week Paul was speaking to us on the camera and here we are uh, looking at a screen. Um, so this series and 1 John has kind of straddled um, this crisis. But I've found it really, really encouraging um, as we've looked at it. And as we come to chapter five today, um, there is huge encouragement for us as we come into land at the end of the book. And I think that John wants to say to us who are feeling overwhelmed that actually, not only do we not need to be overwhelmed, actually, we can overcome. We can overcome. And uh, so have a look if you've got that open. Verse four. Here's the key little section, I think, of this uh, uh, passage for today. Verse 4 of chapter 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Uh, and and that, that word overcome gets, gets repeated. Um, second half of the verse. This is our victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And again, actually repeated verse 5. Who is it that overcomes The world. So at the start of this um, uh, chapter, three times John repeats this word overcomes, overcomes, overcomes. And so today I just want us to focus in on this word overcoming so that we can actually, as a church family, be equipped to be people who are not actually overwhelmed um, in this crisis but who can overcome. So as we look at this together, um, we're going to see that John is going to show us, first of all, what it is that we need to overcome what needs overcoming, um, who it is that we'll actually overcome, and how we'll overcome. So first of all, what is it that we actually need to overcome? And um, we probably spotted uh, the answer to this as each of those three times it was read out, because each of the three times the word overcome comes, uh, we're told what it is we need to overcome. So have a look again. Verse 4, um, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Verse 5, who is it who overcomes the world? And so what is it that we need to overcome? Well, John says what needs overcoming is the world. Well, what exactly does John mean when he says, when he talks about the world? The Bible talks about the world in a number of different ways. Um, Is the world good or bad? Well, it's actually kind of both, isn't it? The world is amazing and God's made the world. And he made it good. And the world is an amazing place of beauty. And, uh, and, uh, and the fingerprints of God's good design and his blessing are all over this good world that he has made. But at the same time, it's actually also broken. And uh, it's fallen. And the world is under the dominion of darkness. And it's in this second sense that actually John is talking here about the need to overcome. And so when he talks about the world... He's talking about that dimension of reality, which has actually come under the dominion of the evil one. And the reason why we know that is he tells us, verse 19, have a look down. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, we might be thinking, well, (laughs) you know, has God sent this coronavirus? Where's this come from? And actually, I think John would want to say that it's not, it's not God who has come to steal and kill and destroy. It's the thief, the enemy, the evil one who steals and kills and destroys. And I think it's helpful to, for us to understand that what, what's going on in the world at the moment is actually the activity of the evil one. And that's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Deliver us. Deliver us from evil. In fact, literally, the Lord's Prayer Deliver us from the evil one. And I believe that John would want to say that what's going on in our world at the moment, to the degree that this virus is stealing and killing and destroying, and it is, it's robbing us of our freedom, it's killing the most vulnerable in our society, and it's destroying life as we know it. And to that extent, well, actually, that is the work of the evil one. And yet, and yet, God has allowed it. Um, This is kind of a mystery. Satan, the devil, the evil one, he is active. He's on a leash, though. And exactly how that works, who really knows? But I think that the best picture of it to understand it, the first two chapters of Job are the most ancient and the most helpful picture of helping us understand the relationship between the evil one in the providence and the sovereignty of God... But for our purposes here, John wants to say that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And what that means is there's a need to overcome. That's what we're opposite, but that's what we're up against. So who can possibly overcome? Who can overcome the evil one? Surely none of us. And well, actually, no. Of course, there's only one who can overcome the evil one, isn't there? The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But there's one who came that we might have life and life in all its fullness. And so who, so who is it that can overcome? Actually, we are able to have life if we are in Christ. So verse 11 Uh, Look look down at verse 11. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. It's in his son. And that word of in Christ is is repeated at the second half of verse 20. We are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So who is it that can overcome? It's those who are in Christ. And John makes that really clear when we go back to the beginning of the uh, chapter and we look at this thing of overcoming, verse 4. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, those who are in Christ. I thought of this picture to sort of help us, what does it mean to be in Christ? Um, Hannah, my wife, works for Compassion, and many of us will be familiar with Compassion in their work. They're committed to releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, But she's worked there for about a year. But when we first got together and when we first got married, um, actually, she had a rather sort of high-flying job uh, in the city, literally high-flying. She got to travel a lot for work. And um, she was a frequent flyer, which meant that she got uh, BA, British Airways Executive, silver um, membership to their, to their uh, executive club. And so when we went on our summer holiday, actually, <laughs> that meant that when we got to the airport, she gets to just sort of swan into the executive business lounge and sort of flash her membership card, as they say, welcome, uh, Mrs. Thompson. But she was allowed to bring one guest with her. And very graciously, she condescended to allow her lowly economy-class husband to join her uh, in the business lounge. And of course, I proceeded to frantically make the most of the free champagne, um, having never felt so posh in my life. And uh, so Hannah was the one who was able to actually get in. But in a sense, because I was with her, because I was participating in the privileges of her membership, I was in her membership. And in the same way, it's Christ who overcomes the world. But for those of us who are in him, we get to share, to participate in his victory over the evil one. As he overcomes, so can we who are in him overcome. Have another look, verse 4. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The one who believes in uh, verse 6, this one who came by water and blood. That's Jesus uh, referring to his water, referring to his baptism, and blood referring to his crucifixion. I think that that means um, the water of baptism was where Jesus was commissioned for his great work of overcoming and the work of salvation and the crucifixion where he completed That work of salvation. Um, And so verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Verse 11, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And by contrast, equally and opposite, um, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So those of us, John says, who are in Christ, have hope. But the amazing thing that our hope is, (laughs) our hope is not that we will avoid infection. Our hope is not that one day we'll be able to kind of go back to the office. Our hope isn't that one day we'll be able to kind of see our loved ones face to face and not be afraid of shaking people's hands or giving them a hug. Our hope of salvation is so much Bigger than that. Our hope is not just simply that in a few weeks or a few months' time we'll be able to re-enter the world. Our hope is that one day we will be able to overcome the world. Our hope is eternal. Our hope is of eternal life. Verse 13, this is a key verse of the whole book. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so I just want to give, I guess, a gentle challenge to any of us who are kind of watching this. Wherever we're at today, geographically, spiritually, um, do we know? that we have eternal life. Do you know that? Because John says we can know it. And I reckon now is the time to ask that question. I've had this quote ringing in my ears ever since I read it a few weeks ago, kind of at the start of um, this crisis for us. Uh, It was written in the Telegraph. Quote, this crisis takes us into philosophical questions about the nature of society and our place in it that go beyond the training or the experience of a politician, they border on spiritual matters. The prime minister would presumably, uh, this person says, be the first to admit that he lacks the authority required of a divine spokesman. When faced with matters of life and death, especially on this potential scale, our culture, even if we're not religious ourselves, and the person writing this article was an atheist, even if we're not religious ourselves, This demands something more elevated. And so I think this is a key moment for our culture. I think the last big thing, in a sense, that happened for our whole of society was 9-11, wasn't it? The Twin Tower, the attacks on on, uh, the World Trade Centers 20 years ago. And that event was so key. It shaped many things about our society and it shaped a generation's attitude towards God and towards religion and it completely turned people right off religious fundamentalism and it um, uh, uh, sort of provoked, the kick-started the so-called new atheism. But I wonder if that's about to change because as one MP said last week whilst um, debating the coronavirus bill in Parliament, quote, at a time like this, matters of the hereafter are close to everybody's thoughts. As they sometimes say, there are no atheists in foxholes. And I think this is happening now. Um, One of our um, guys, John Wheeler, many of us will know, they go out on the streets regularly and they continue to do so until the lockdown happened, just talking to people about Jesus, asking people if they could pray. And normally he says it's hard, people aren't interested, and they walk straight on. But do you know, since this has started, people are leaning in. They want to know what is it that uh, we've got to say as Christians? And I think that's happening more and more. Um, uh, One non-Christian friend of mine said last week to me, "Um, it must be a tough time for the church. Presumably conversions are going down. And I said, not necessarily. Um, Actually, it's a time when people are asking all sorts of big questions. And he said, well, yeah, actually, maybe this is a time when people are actually going to reach out to God more at a time like this. And we've had people connecting with St. Mark's through the website who've never been to church. Uh, People want to know more. People want to hear about the message of hope, which we have. So people are interested in in Alpha. We're bringing our next Alpha course forward. We're going to be starting in two weeks' time. Um, Instead of waiting until after Easter, we're going to meet online. Join us if you've never done Alpha before. This is the moment. Um, If you're feeling overwhelmed, to reach out to the one who can help us to overcome. And John says it's those who are in Christ, who will overcome. But how? Thirdly, finally, how will we overcome? And we said at the start that John um, repeats this word overcome three times um, at the beginning. And so have a little look again at that section. Um, In the second half of verse four, um, you see that John speaks of a moment that happened in time in the past, in the past tense, um, verse 4, second half of it, this is the victory that has overcome the world. So, there was a moment of victory in the past, but the other two references to overcoming are actually the present tense continuing in the life of the Christian. So, that was a moment that has overcome the world, but beginning of verse 4, present tense, everyone born, born of God overcomes the world. Same thing, verse 5, who is it that overcomes? Present tense. Present tense. And so John says, well, yeah, there was a moment of victory, but also there is in the ongoing life of the Christian um, the continual working out of that victory which takes place each day in our lives. And so how does that happen? And really, and this is what John has been talking about all through his letter, and you can sum it up in one word, and that is love. That's the purpose, really, of this letter. Love, look again, verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. And actually, what are his commands? Well, we looked at that, chapter 2, Jesus gave the command, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, love your neighbours yourselves. In fact, verse 3, this is love for God, to keep his commands, which is to love. And I believe that this is the moment for the church to come together, to love each other, and enable one another to overcome. And in one sense, that seems difficult to love our neighbours, when we aren't even allowed to see them, we're not even allowed to have contact with each other. In a way, actually, as well, that is kind of the loving thing to do, though, at the moment. Um, I'm sure a number of us are really struggling with sort of social isolation and uh, and social distancing. And some from a kind of a practical point of view. It's just hard, isn't it, not seeing each other. Um, others from a really a philosophical point of view. This is a huge impingement upon the freedom of the individual by the state, which kind of feels a bit uncomfortable. Um, but actually, whatever we think about that, the one way to love our neighbours at this time is kind of to follow those guidelines that the government have laid out. I'm sure it was none of our church family, um, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who found it a little bit galling. On the front page of the BBC, on the news, uh, you know, was a picture of Clapham Common, absolutely crawling with people. Um, A couple of days ago, you know, flagrant disregard for uh, the government's advice on keeping a a distance from each other. But I think that actually um, one way to love our neighbours is simply to just suck it up and, and get on with it and obey. And actually, in fact, Um, the command of God is to obey the command of the government even if we disagree with it Romans 13 be subject to what the government says so in fact verse 3 this is love for God to keep his commands but positively Let's also um, love our neighbours by getting them alongside them in in so many ways. If you found the front page of the website, click the button on the home page if you can offer help. And we're trying to coordinate people's efforts. Um, Food Bank are massively increasing their efforts to help um, our neighbours who are particularly vulnerable at the moment. They're going to kind of a delivery model and actually all sorts of stepping up their activity in loads of different ways. Check out the Food Bank website um, for how you can help or, or if you can give. But I think this is also really a moment for us to come together as a family. And we feel that really, actually the word that I've got for this is decentralisation. I think for this season, decentralisation of some of our activities, the way that we function together as a church family um, is going to have to be decentralised. We're not all coming together as a great big group on Sundays for the large gathering. That's not happening um, for the foreseeable future. But what that does mean is that we are able to get together as small groups. And say so we are going big on small groups and wanting to say that actually this is crucial during this season because the primary connection for the church, according to John, is not between staff member and regular member of the congregation. That's not it at all. It's brothers and sisters. Look at verse 1 again. Everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. And so John is saying, look, we've got the same Father. We pray our Father. And what does that make each of us brothers and sisters? And this is a time where we're brothers and sisters coming together, getting alongside each other. I really hope that you're able to be watching this today, not simply on your own, but you're able to journey together spiritually with brothers and sisters. And that's why we're relaunching our home groups. We're calling them cell groups for this time so that we can come together as the body, which is made up of many parts, many cells. And so we can grow and multiply and actually support one another as the body of Christ. So if you're not connected in with people, please get in touch. Again, there's more information on the website about how we can do that. But um, we, should, we should probably draw to a conclusion. But I, I just want to really encourage us that this is actually, it's a difficult time. It is overwhelming. But actually, we have got here one who has overcome And that as we are in Christ, those of us who are in Christ, as we draw alongside one another, as we love each other as brothers and sisters and reach out towards those around us in need, support each other, actually, by his Holy Spirit, he will enable us to overcome. So let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for the one, Jesus Christ, who has overcome We know that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And we lament the activity of the evil one as we look out at our world, which is so plainly under the dominion of the evil one at this time. And we see his handiwork in our headlines and in our communities. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, you are the one who came that we might have life, life in all its fullness, life in abundance. And we thank you so much for that salvation which we can participate by being in Christ, that we might share in your victory. And I pray for each one of us right now who are just feeling overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by our personal circumstances, overwhelmed by family situations, overwhelmed by work By not being able to get outside, by not knowing what the future holds, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and help us to have your heavenly perspective, to see that we have a hope which can never be taken away from us. And I want to pray as well for any who are um, with us who do not, as verse 13 says, know that they have eternal life, for those who are just unsure and who at this time are asking the big questions, the big spiritual questions, Lord, please do have mercy, reveal yourself to them and with the powerful witness of the Holy Spirit come alongside and give faith, the gift of faith to be able to see who Jesus is, that he is the one who came to conquer the work of the evil one. And perhaps I'm just going to leave just a moment of quiet now. And perhaps you'd like to stretch out your hands as we sometimes do and just invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. Help us to know that Christ has overcome. Come Holy Spirit. everyone born of God, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Thank you, Lord. Amen.